In today's episode, Karen interviews me, Felicity, and we delve deep into the nitty gritty and the details surrounding the birth of my darling little Ruby. And I really had to dig deep to remember some of the details to record this podcast episode for you guys to listen to today because, well, mum brain. But once we got into the conversation and I sort of tapped back into that part of the memory, most of the details came back to me. And it was actually quite surreal for me reliving the birth experience. It's not really something that you think about or get the opportunity to talk about every day. And I actually felt I felt quite emotional in some parts. I really hope you enjoy the story about how my little Ruby came into the world. You're listening to the How to Mum 101 podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Karen. And I'm Felicity. Today we're going to be talking to Felicity about her experience with childbirth, what she did leading up to the birth, how it all went for her, the good parts, the bad parts, the boring parts, the exciting parts, and we're just going to hear about her experience, bearing in mind that every birth is different, so this is just one scenario out of millions of possible scenarios, Uh, so let's hear about it. Yep, sounds good, can't wait. (laughs) Certainly, I've been thinking about it before today and um, have kind of replayed some of it in my mind because obviously got two kids, so we're talking about Ruby today, so that was four years ago now, and then there's obviously been the second one as well, So and very different stories too. Yeah. All right, so thinking about the first one, what what did you do leading up to the birth? Did you have a plan or anything that you did in particular to prepare for it? Yeah, I think I I kind of planned to not have a plan, if that makes sense. Yeah. So initially, early on, I had read all the books and had all the mothers' groups and all the group chats going, and I, was, I felt like I was actually being swayed by other people to start with, mm-hmm. because I remember, you know, in the beginning, you only see your obstetrician sort of once a month, and we had a really good relationship. She was like, you're really chilled out. This is great. This is going to be good. And then I remember going in there around sort of maybe 28 to 30 weeks, and I had this piece of paper. And I said to her, I've got some questions. And she sort of looked at me like, huh? Huh. And it was, yeah, this list of questions that was going around in one of the online mother's groups. I'm going to ask my obstetrician all these questions and I'm going to do this. And I think we all sort of started getting swayed by other people, particularly those of us that hadn't done it before, Mm -hmm. because you, as much as you can read a book when you've got someone that you kind of know that's been through what it says, you've got to ask this, you kind of take their experience on board. Um, and my obstetrician sort of took the piece of paper off me and was like, what's going on? Who are you? And it kind of was really good that she was honest with me because it made me realize that, no, I actually didn't, didn't need any of that. So we basically had agreed that we were just going to keep uh, monitoring things as we got towards the end, yeah. as we got a bit closer. So you start having, you know, your fortnightly meetings and mm-hmm. then your, your, your weekly. And yeah, my plan literally was not to have a plan to just trust the expert to trust my body and to be open to anything that was required to get the baby out essentially and I say the baby because we didn't know the sex at the time we were having a surprise so I didn't know whether it was he or she and yeah it was really just to go with the flow and try and not have planned that I was going to be disappointed if it didn't come to fruition yeah I was just going to ask what what was the reason that you didn't want to plan yeah I think it was part of it was because I'm a pretty even though I'm quite meticulous in certain things like I am a bit of a go with the flow type person and you know we went with a private hospital and an obstetrician because I 
didn't hadn't done it before and I wanted someone like an expert to talk me through it. Yeah. So I thought I'm paying you to make sure that I'm safe. Right. Okay. So let them guide you through the process rather than you make up certain things that might not be yeah. the best for you in because, your situation. Yeah, you just don't know. Yeah. And they they the, they've done it they do it every day. They've done it a number of times. You know, most people that go with a, an obstetrician or a hospital or a midwife, whatever you choose, you would have done a bit of research. And yeah, so I obviously chose this woman and I just trusted that she would take care of me, really. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. So what what happened next? Like what how far along were you in your pregnancy and what was sort of the first thing that happened to get things moving? Yeah, so I think, you know, my husband's six foot four and quite a large family, they're all quite <laughs> tall, so there was always jokes that I was gonna, you know, birth a, a toddler or it was gonna be a big baby. <laughs> so there was that was the other thing. There was a bit of fear there that I might not be able to have a natural um, vaginal birth and I might need a cesarean or something anyway, so I didn't want to um, have my heart set on one thing. So, yeah, when we started getting to those weekly appointments around the 36, 37 weeks and I was measuring a couple of weeks ahead, the obstetrician had started saying to me, you know, we can, it's safe, it will be safe to bring the baby out now. Do you want to look at uh, booking in a date uh, for an induction? At that stage, we were talking about an induction, and I had say, kept saying, well, I'm feeling okay. As much as I had a few pregnancy ailments that were mm. causing me some grief, I was on maternity leave by then, so I was just trying to do what I need to do to get through each day. I was getting very uncomfortable, and I think as it got closer, I was easily swayed to, let's get the baby out. Yeah, if somebody else is guiding you towards that yeah, <laughs> towards that end, and you're uncomfortable, I can see. Yeah, yeah and I feel like she kind of was which, you know, you and I have obviously talked about as well. I feel like she was kind of guiding me to that path. But so, yeah, each week my husband and I would just assess how I was feeling and have a discussion before we go into the appointment. Yeah. And, and yeah, she had sort of said to me at 38 weeks, what would you like to do? You know, these are the dates that I'm in theatre if we need to book in, that sort of thing. So um, I I wanted to get to 40 weeks before anything was done. So at the 39-week appointment she said, look, if we want to – plan something we need to kind of get you booked in now because we've only got so many beds Mm -hmm. i think there's you know six beds or whatever it is in the you know the maternity or the you know the labor labor area um i don't even know what they call it now but um yeah there's only six beds we've got it's logistic there is a logistics part to it okay so if we're going to get booked in in, yeah we're going to book you in otherwise you might get to 40 weeks and we're not booked in and then you might be uncomfortable and then you might have to wait another week okay so there was kind of a bit of fear being placed on me as well bit of urgency i felt like there was Mm. yeah so we agreed we would book in for 40 plus one so we'd have the 40 week appointment and if i hadn't have hadn't started laboring then we would we're booked in for the next day yeah and Looking back, is there anything that you would have done differently with booking in at the 40 weeks for the induction? Yeah, I would have because I didn't have a good experience with the induction, which we'll get to. Okay. And I, second time around, I didn't have an induction for that reason. So I think there's so many unknowns with an induction. Yeah. And this exactly what you said before about every birth is different. There are certain things that they will try to induce the labour and some things might work for one pregnancy or one birth and they might not work for another. So they, they keep trying things to get you to a point where you labour on your own. But um, essentially, if that doesn't happen, which is what happened with me, I ended up you know, 18 hours down the track and having a cesarean anyway. So I've been through um, been through all that. So yeah, I definitely, if I was going back, I would have not booked in for an induction and, and just tried to get through those next couple of days to, to labour on my own. Okay. Well, talk us through it. How did the induction go? So, yeah, as, as mentioned, we had the 40-week appointment. Nothing was happening. So it was like, okay, come in tomorrow night. You'll come in at 7 o'clock. I think it was about 7 o'clock they'd get you to come in at night. So yeah. my husband and I had gone in and got set up uh, in my room. 
and they put uh, they put the gels in. Yeah. And that's basically it. That's the start of it. So you, you go in there, they do all your vitals, you know, check your your, your bloods or your temperature and what your temperature, what's it called? Your uh, Blood pressure. Blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell that I've got children, but check their temperature. Are they teething? Um, so, yeah, they just do that sort of checks and make sure that you're okay and then they put the gels in. And then from there, you know, I sent my husband home because I said to him, like, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while and this is pretty uncomfortable. Like, let's be honest. Like I said, he's six foot four. There's not really – it's oh, not like we're yeah. in a like, – even though I was in a private hospital, it was still an older private hospital and there's not like there's a, a you know, beautiful lounge and comfortable yeah. fold-out bed. So so he went home and I was expecting to get some sleep because that was sort of what I was led to believe. That, you okay. know, we'll put the gels in and they'll do what they need to do and, and you'll get some sleep. I had had pretty severe Braxton hits anyway with both of my pregnancies, but certainly with this one and – so I was pretty uncomfortable throughout the night. And, you know, you're on one of those single beds anyway, mm. propped up with the, um, like, they've got stuff around your belly. Yeah. It's also clinical. Like, it's, yeah. it's hard to just relax and have a sleep. <laughs> yeah, because you know that you're having a baby the next day. Yeah. So, yeah, and then you've got these, you know, things on there. And every now and then, you know, the midwife's coming and checking and stuff. So there's beeping and there's lights and all the rest of it. So she checked on me a couple of times. I was pretty uncomfortable and I was, I was keeping my eye on the monitor as well, which was hooked up to me and I could okay. see lots of movement. So I was like, things are happening. Uh, In my mind, I felt like things were happening. Right. And I thought, yeah, it's, it's happening. I was, could you feel anything or you just seeing? I was movement? having, I could definitely oh, feel. Okay. Yeah. I was having quite, you know, Braxton Hicks, which I thought was turning into contractions okay. because I didn't know the difference. And a lot of people have said, you know, contractions feel like Braxton Hicks. It's a tightening. Yes. Yeah, it's a tightening. So yeah. it feels the same. But did you have pain? Was there pain or... There wasn't pain. It was just no. like uncomfortable. It was just tight. Yeah, it was tightenings. Yeah, okay. yeah I called them tightenings because I didn't know what they were. And the monitor was moving. Yeah. And, the, you know, the midwife would come, oh, yeah, yeah, this, you know, a bit of movement there. So she was sort of reassuring me. But I actually felt a bit anxious as well. So she, and she said, you really got to try and get some sleep. And I said, I'm just not tired. Like, I'm... So I think, I can't remember what I had. I don't think it was Panadine 4, but it was something like that. Okay. And that was supposed to help me sleep, but it didn't, and it made me feel pretty drowsy. But I didn't sleep. I really didn't sleep. It was wow. one That's of those... even worse, really. Right. Like, <laughs> I felt groggy and restless, and, yeah, and then before I knew it, it was morning, and um, I think I'd asked my husband to come back in by about 8, 8.30, something like that, because the obstetrician was coming to check on me around 8.39. Yeah. And they said, you know, nothing much will happen before then. So the midwife came in, though, before that to check, and I can't remember exactly what she said, but she really deflated me because she I was basically only half a centimetre dilated. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she made a comment along the lines of, oh, like, that's surprising. I mm. thought you had plenty of activity last night. Yeah. I thought, you know... Which is probably what you were thinking too, right? Right, totally. So in my mind, I was like, yeah, this is going to happen. I'm going to have this baby today, and it's all going to happen pretty quickly, and... You know, and obviously not having done it before, I wasn't having the pregnancy pains and, and things weren't really progressing. I hadn't, my waters hadn't broken. I was expecting that big gush, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> so um, they put another lot of gels in because it wasn't really, there wasn't, the effect hasn't, hadn't started. Yeah. So another lot of gels went in, got, Dave came back, you know, got comfortable, rang my mum, nothing's happening, you know, I'm still here, yeah. stay home kind of thing because I, I didn't want my whole family coming and that pressure as well of people being there and... yeah. And nothing happening. Yeah. So I can't remember. I think the obstetrician came at about nine o'clock or something, came and checked on me, did a check and her comment along the lines of, well, yeah, you know, it's still a lot to go kind of thing. Yeah. You haven't even started yet. Yeah, haven't really started. And, and you were exhausted already. Yeah, oh. I was. I felt sick. Yeah. I felt tired. I felt a bit woozy. Um, 
So, yeah, and, and I just think there's probably just, just a lot of waiting. There's a lot of waiting around. Yeah. Like I mentioned before, they do they do a series of things to, to try and get a response. So, let me just, I'm just trying to think. So, it was about 9 o'clock she came, nothing was happening, I was about a centimetre. So, then it was just sort of waiting around, trying to, you know, entertain myself um, with some of the things that we had packed, some of the mountains of things. Yeah. So, you know, there was music, there was card games and things like that. But I was also really tired, so... Um, she came back in to check me again at some point. It was probably about two hours later, maybe 11 o'clock. Yeah. And again, I think by then I was about two centimetres, but it was kind of starting to become apparent that, you know, the language was, well, you know, this isn't progressing, not much is happening. So the next option was to put in a drip, and I think it's called Sintocin. Yeah. Yeah. So the drip went in, which was, you know, this the second thing they were going to try to get things moving. And that made me feel really sick. So they didn't break your waters first? Maybe she did. I can't okay. remember. The, the breaking of the water, it was either before or after. <laughs> I think it was after, to be honest yeah. with you, from what I'm remembering, because I was on the gas when she did it, and yeah, I remember that. So, so yeah, there was a drip, and I started feeling really sick, like the ant oh. kind of itchy feeling, like there was stuff crawling on me. Oh, wow. And really nauseous, and that's when I started vomiting. That was the first vomit. Oh, my um, goodness. And it was like... Yeah, hadn't eaten much either, so it was not a pleasant... It was that kind of retching. So do you think it was the syntocin that yeah. wasn't reacting well with you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and and then, you know, because I was still hooked up, baby's heart was starting to, you know, go up and down a little bit, but nothing too outrageous. So they she was called back because I started getting ill, and that's when she broke my waters. So then they, that's when they gave me my first taste of the gas, um, <laughs> which, thank God, because... Um, yeah, I remember my body kind of being pulled around a bit as she was as she was doing that. Yeah, and then I'll never forget this as well. This is a bit gross, but she she actually stepped back, like she took a step back. Oh, uh, okay. And for the for the gush of water. Yeah, <laughs> right. And by that stage, like I'd had a fair bit of gas, so I was feeling a bit woozy. But I yeah. remember sort of stepping back, and then I was like, "Oh, what happened?" She's like, "Yep, you got me. Thanks." <laughs> so it was a bit of a like a bit of a funny moment. But after that, she started talking to me about what the next step was, and I was still feeling really woozy from the gas. And I remember saying to her, because she said something like, so what do you think? And I remember going, sorry, can you say that again? I I didn't understand any of that because I was kind of coming out. I was going pretty hard on the gas. (laughs) (laughs) So she said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I just I felt a bit woozy then, but the gas is kind of wearing off at the moment, so can you explain that again? She said, look you're not dilating um, as as much as we would like you to. And um, we could be here for a while, so I think there's probably time to put in an epidural. And we hadn't really discussed that at any other point. And I said to her, oh, but I'm not I'm not labouring, I'm not really having contractions, like I'm not feeling like I'm close. Um, and she said, yeah, it'll probably just help relax you because, you know, um, you probably don't realise it, but you're, you're already starting to probably get a bit anxious and mm. you're tired and you've been unwell and it will help and it will prepare you for a potential cesarean. Right. And at that stage, I still didn't think that I was going to have a cesarean. Like I still thought I'll take as long as yeah. I took to get there. Um, so, yeah, so, and she said also, again, this is the kind of the, the, the logistics of it, we've got to call the anaesthetist. Mm-hmm. If we get to a point where you're further down the track, because sometimes things can happen quickly and you want an epidural straight away, we might not be able to get it. So it's better to... You know, call him, it might take an hour or two hours to get him to prepare the drugs to get him here. And things could progress by then as well because we've already done the drip. We've got two lots of gels, broken your waters. So that would, you know, kind of be the next step. Okay. 
And I guess that sort of gives you a head start if you do have to go in for a C-section as well, yeah. rather than having to delay it to wait for an anaesthetist. That's it, absolutely. Okay. So, um, so he came, and it probably was about an hour and a half before he got there. Oh, wow. So it was probably about one o'clock, I think, when the epidural went in. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember as well, because they, they turn you on your side, and, you know, Dave's holding my hands and looking at me, and he actually was... He had a tear in his eyes. Aww. Yeah, he was just, he was looking at me, but like he could see what was happening behind me. Okay. And he obviously had seen, you know, the, the size of the giant needle. <laughs> right. And I still did, didn't see it, so which is probably a good thing. But um, they obviously get you to lay on your side and they talk you through what's going to happen and all the rest of it. So um, he was holding my hands and looking at my, looking in my eyes, but he obviously could see behind me and he was like, everything's all right, you're okay. And then this tear just came out of his eye oh, so sweet. i know but it made it kind of made me a bit worried yes yeah, because i was like why is he's not a very emotional you know person yeah. he and cry. he was obviously worried about you yeah he was worried about me and that sort of made me because i was so tired and exhausted and i'd still been vomiting and all the rest of it um and then after that i actually i actually did get like i started feeling really tired so um everyone kind of left the room and i said just let felicity try and get some rest so um I remember kind of starting to fall asleep, but then waking up again and vomiting again. And like, I I was starting to feel really deflated as well because things weren't progressing and I was tired. So yeah, the obstetrician came back and it was probably about two o'clock and she checked me again. She's like, you're two centimetres dilated, you know, um, we could And this is like hours later from the last time you were two centimetres or... It was oh, probably like, it was probably two, maybe two or three hours. I can't remember, but I hadn't progressed okay. past that. Yeah. And she's like, I'm, and I'm being generous. Like I'm, be, okay. I'm being generous. <laughs> like it's not, it's not moving and your cervix is, is it inverted or it's like, you know, you're, I think they say inverted. I so don't know. Your cervix, it was really far back basically. Oh, okay. Um, the baby's not coming down and you're not dilating. Um, and we see this a lot. And there was another midwife there who she was probably, I had, I stayed in the hospital for six days and I saw so many different midwives and I can honestly say every single one of them was amazing. But this particular one, I just didn't have a good vibe from her. And I felt like she was like going as well, you know, but we, we see this a lot, you know, like kind of telling me how it was. Okay. Um, we see this a lot and, you know, I think it's, it's time to call it, you know, basically it's time to call this it. This is what we do this at what, this point. This is what we do at this point. And I just didn't really argue. I didn't, not that I was going to argue, but I didn't really question it. I was like, well, like I said at the beginning, they're the experts and we'll just do it. Yeah. And I was tired and also I was feeling sick and I also wanted to meet the baby. Yeah. You know, that's what I was there for. So, And to be honest, you to go through the other eight centimetres of contractions <laughs> is exhausting, obviously, and then to actually push a baby out. Mm. And after two days of what you've gone through, that would have been... That would have been yeah. Even more of a challenge than what it is normally. Yeah. And you I mean, you don't know that and you think, you know, you'll be able to get through it in the time. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and that's pretty much what they were saying to me. And again, you know, the obstetrician was saying to me, the logistics up, we've, we've got to yeah. got to get a theatre ready. We've got to, mm. you know, again, it's still going to take a little bit of time. So, you know, is that what we're doing? So I was like, yeah. And I kind of felt relieved after we had made that, you know, that decision um, because then it was like, okay, well, we're going to go and meet the baby, you know? So yeah, then we went in for a cesarean and... That was just weird too because I hadn't even thought, I hadn't really done not research, but I think so much, you do so much reading and preparation for um, like a birth and pain relief and stuff, but I hadn't really asked what happens with the cesarean. And, yeah, or at what point it, it's the decision point. Yeah. Or, and obviously you were 
you were going in for a natural vaginal birth. So yeah, that's what you were expecting probably. So it's, it's obviously it's quite a big room. There was a lot of people. There was so many people in there. There was really? a lot, many more people than I expected. It was very bright. They start, you know, pretty much. Um, they just go into um, into the mode because yeah. they they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It is like a there's a process there. One thing happens after another. Um, so yeah, the anaesthetist came down as well. I had to have um, some more drugs to prepare me for that. So that was when they gave me morphine. Okay. Um, and topped up a few other things and and talked to me about a few bits and pieces. Had the cesarean. I can't really remember a lot about it because it was uh, I was still feeling really unwell. And I remember yeah Dave being there and it happened pretty quick. And then yeah it's the girl which was good. So they they pulled her out gave her to me and then well, after they'd done what they did they gave her to me and they've got that big sheet up yeah i should say as well like i i wear contacts but i'd taken my contacts out so i had my glasses on so i had my glasses on and they were kind of a bit like foggy and wet and yeah i was really hot from all the drugs so they put a wet flannel on my head yeah and um so all the photos <laughs> you've got this like flannel. it's not an instagram <laughs> photo so i'm lying there with a big white wet flannel on my forehead like a bandana i've got my like wet glasses on and then there's all the usual the 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 gowns and the the the, you know the shower cap and everything else and yeah i've got ruby on me and i do remember that she was just so calm she was really she was so calm we hadn't named her straight away obviously but she was really calm she did a little cry when she came out once they gave her to me she was just so chill wow and what was awesome was when we went into um the theatre, the paediatrician or the anaesthetist or whoever it was took our phones and, you know, we were unbeknownst to us, they were taking photos and there was a video as well and there was a video of us sort of talking about how calm she was and she was just laying there. But then, and that was nice. We've got a girl, the rest of it, here she is, she's perfect. She had her eyes kind of open and she was looking at us and then I just started feeling this wave of nausea, oh, really no. bad Again. wave of nausea. And I said to Dave, get her off me. Get her oh, off me. No. And he's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I was like, take, take the baby away. Get her off me. Because I was like, I'm going to vomit. But in his and you're lying on your back. I was lying on my back. And they were still doing what they were doing. And he, he's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Because I think, you know, I spoke to him afterwards and I think he thought I was not connecting with her yeah. or I was rejecting her or something. So then they put like a little, like a dish basically. They got a dish for me, like a tiny little dish. And, yeah. and I've started vomiting. And then um, that's when it started getting really bad. And you're still open yeah they're doing what they're doing oh my goodness Um, that's so scary yeah but i think it happens a lot really a a lot of people have reactions to the drugs particularly and i I don't want to say like it was you know horrendous or anything but there was a lot of different things that happened with me different types of drugs yeah you know the syntose and the epidural the morphine some anti-nausea there's a lot going on and when you basically haven't eaten anything for 24 hours you've thrown up everything you're dehydrated you're tired yeah a lot of a lot of people have a reaction to different drugs okay so a lot of people do get unwell so i think they're probably used to it um and you know you're numb as well from you know down there so i don't really remember the next kind of couple of hours like i was very unwell and i had started getting cold so that they wrapped me up when they took me to my room it was like a sauna i'll never forget getting in that room and i was feeling nauseous so they wheeled me in and i was like turn the heater off i'm gonna vomit like i just felt so unwell um and they'd warmed it up because i was so cold yeah so like this girl's really cold get in a nice warm room um and yeah, I'll never forget that. We had, like, the door open, and I was still quite unwell. So the midwives kept coming back and closing the door because I was 
like retching and quite okay. loud. Yeah. And they obviously were trying to give me and everybody else some privacy, but I wanted it open for the yeah, fresh air. Like dying. <laughs> yeah, and so the next probably so Ruby was born at like quarter past three. Yeah. I think for the next probably six hours I was just vomiting on and off. Oh my goodness. Tired, trying to go to sleep and get some rest, but wake then I'd, you know, just sort of doze off and then you'd wake up. Have you ever had like it's like the gastro basically like you're trying your body is so tired and you're passing out basically from exhaustion but then you get that wave that wakes you up and then you oh wow and where was ruby the whole time so ruby was in the room with us and dave so both of our parents had been and gone because they were there but i was just so unwell and i i just i had to leave basically so dave was in the room with me and the baby and i kind of it's like sketchy but i remember i'd wake up i'd vomit and he'd come over to me and then the midwife would come in they had me on a drip because I was so dehydrated. Every time we call a midwife back in, so probably like once every hour they were coming and checking, like properly checking on me, mm. topping up the drip and stuff, and they were giving me anti-nausea. Okay. I had five different types of anti-nausea, and every single one of them I threw up, and mm. they'd make me feel more sick. And it's unreal. <laughs> I remember waking up at one point, and like, I think Dave is a bit sketchy, but I reckon he might have been crying as well because mm. – he was kind of alone with the baby and I was so sick he wanted to tend to me but Ruby was needing tending to as well yes. and so you know he did the first nappy change and stuff I couldn't hold her or breastfeed her because I was so unwell yeah. and I remember as well like the midwife saying to me you've got to be really careful with your vomiting because you've had a cesarean so I was really conscious of so stupid I was trying to vomit like just from the top delicately half. yeah yeah and I don't know if you remember, but there's a photo of me and my eye, my right eye blood vessel burst. Yeah. And my whole eye was red. And that was from the pressure of, yes. like, me trying to just vomit. Like, it wasn't even really, wouldn't even call it vomiting. It was just retching. Wow. So I burst an eye vessel because it was that intense. Um, and I did damage the scar a little bit. Okay. It's a little bit, it's a bit it was a bit keloid from it. It was a little bit uh, yeah. puckered yeah. from, you know, what was going on. I, about eight o'clock when I kind of came to, to vomit again, my obstetrician had come back and I said, what are you doing here? And she's like, well, they've called me. You're not well. Like I want to come and check on you. And I'm going to speak to, um, I've spoken to the the anaesthetist and we're just trying to work out what's, you know, what's made you so unwell and we're going to give you some more anti-nausea. And I started crying because I was like, no, I don't want any more drugs. Every time they give me something, it makes me sick. I just need to ride this out. It's like a bad hangover. It's like gastro. I've just got to get it out. And she was like, no, I've had a look. There's one more drug that I want to try. <laughs> and that was the one that worked. Oh, so thank goodness, thank goodness it st- I stopped and I was able to finally sort of get some sleep. But even just random memories that I have of like a midwife pretty much milking me at one point, <laughs> right? Because they wanted me to, they wanted me to get the milk and yeah. Ruby was just over four kilos. So yeah. she was, she was like 50 centimetres, but she was uh, like just... Chunky. Of, yeah, she was chunky. And she was hungry. Like, baby, you know, baby, any baby's yeah. hungry, but she was hungry. So they, they ended up giving her a bit of formula to start with. Um, that wasn't, maybe it wasn't the first day. I can't remember. But she ended up having formula in the hospital because I was yeah. so sick and so unwell. Mm. And I, it took me a while to recover from, from that. I was just so weak. And, and the cesarean, obviously, was really painful too. But yeah, the midwife was basically milking me, trying to yeah. get some colostrum or get whatever out just to give something to Ruby. So that was that was fun. Just like waking <laughs> up thinking I'm about to vomit and there's my tits out and someone's milking me. Yeah. Um, so what's the timeline that we've gone through here? You so the initial in gels were at seven p.m. Um, 
And then it was the next day that Ruby was born? Yeah. Okay, so, she so was, it was, like, not even 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it sounds like a lot, but like a, yeah. there's a lot that happens in sort of, you know, succession, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and when did you finally have that um, that final drug that helped you stop feeling nauseous? Was that the same day? Yeah, yeah. So, so she was born at 3.15. It was probably about six hours. So it was probably, like, I think it was six hours of vomiting and stuff, wow. about nine o'clock. Okay. Um. And but yeah, those six hours just felt like four days. I bet, yeah, yeah. Well, it felt like it while you were telling that story. Oh, I know. So, that, I mean, that was that's not. I'll be honest with you, that wasn't like a picture perfect, um, calm birthing experience. <laughs> no, at, that I would describe. No, but what what was the what was the standout like best part of that for you? Um, gosh. <laughs> The best part. <laughs> I mean, there was that moment of calmness after she after she was born. Yeah. And you know, there's that that holding her. I felt I was very drugged and tired. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and I, I'm glad we've got all those photos that they took on our phones because there's some amazing photos of you know her coming out and being held up, almost like a Simba moment yeah, in the Lion oh, King. Cool. Yeah. And and then yeah, and her just wrapped up and and so there's that that moment was nice, but. Yeah, the rest of it was pretty pretty ordinary. Yeah. Yeah, and I wouldn't say it was like a traumatic labour. Like some women have really intense traumatic, you know, 24-hour or two-day labours where yeah. they actually do, like you said, the eight centimetres and the pushing and all the rest of it. That's That could be really quite physically traumatic as well, but it was not pleasant. Um, and that's why I say if I could do anything differently, I wouldn't have been induced. But having said that, I've yeah, there are people that get induced and have a good experience. Yeah. The, the gels go in and that's just what they need to yeah. get things going or they their obstetrician breaks their waters or does a stretch and sweep and, you know, and things work. So I guess, like I said, different things will trigger different parts. But I, I think she just wasn't ready. She wasn't ready yeah. to come out at the end of the day. Like my, my cervix wasn't open. She hadn't you – know, she wasn't really down. And I think if I had given it maybe a couple more days or another mm. week, then she might have been ready. It's interesting as well, you know, you do obviously hear things and, and your, your mind's a bit open to other things afterwards, but I have heard that, um, I can't even remember where I heard this from, so it's, it's probably not something that could be quoted, but the baby is the one that triggers the, yeah. the birth, right? It's they, not your body, it's them. That's right. Yeah. So she wasn't ready. So it didn't matter what they did. Like they, they basically threw the kitchen sink at me, but she wasn't ready to come out, which is why she ended up having to be cut out because we'd started. Mm. And she, I don't think I mentioned that, that towards the end her heart rate was starting to really rise yeah. and fall and they were saying look this she's not dire straits but she's getting on she's getting a bit distressed okay um and, and i wasn't in a good state either so yeah i think um yeah it, there wasn't really much pleasant from it because i felt unwell from the beginning basically yeah well the good part is that you came out of it with a very healthy beautiful little baby girl yeah and you eventually got through the recovery process with everything yeah. Mostly intact. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I think the thing is as well, like I had a good experience in the hospital. Yeah. So as much as the um, the induction didn't give me a good feeling and I was unwell, they took really good care of me. That's good. The fact that the obstetrician had come back in, the anaesthetist, anaesthetist came to see me the next day as well to explain the drugs and, and what had happened. Okay. So, and the, the midwives, like I, like I said, they were just amazing. Like, I, I actually didn't want to leave. I stayed for six days. Yeah. Uh, the obstetrician was like, you need to stay for a couple of extra days because you've been through, like, your body's pretty pretty beat and we just want to make sure you're okay. So, um, I had a great a great stay. 
and they took really good care of me there. It was just, uh, you know, you don't know what you don't know, so. Yeah. And based on that experience, were what advice would you give to other pregnant women out there uh, about some of the decisions that you made or, or that you would make differently? It's really hard because, like I said, there's some, some people be induced and, and would be okay. But I think I probably didn't actually know enough about – and, you know, you go to your prenatal classes and stuff and they talk about the different drugs and what they do when you ask for them, but I didn't really know enough about the actual induction process and how much they would try. So all I knew was, yeah, we'll, we'll be induced, I'll put some gels in. I didn't know all the other elements. There, pro- there was probably other things they could have done as well. Who knows? I didn't know enough about that induction process and the fact that it might still – fail and I might still end up having a cesarean mm-hmm. that wasn't I didn't know that okay um I didn't really consider that and if I had have considered that maybe I would have tried to hold out for another day or two and or booked in for a planned cesarean okay um which is what ended up happening for my second okay. because I thought I'm not going through that induction again yeah so I think as much as I like the fact that I didn't have a birth plan that mm-hmm. I was, you know, dead set on because I've got friends that had a birth plan and are devastated they didn't get their birth yeah. plan. So I didn't, I wasn't let down that the way that I wanted it to happen didn't happen. So that was good. Having having that relaxed mindset for me worked well, but I think I should have done a bit more research about what an induction is, what happens, when do, you, when do they call a cesarean, okay. some of that stuff. So just to be a bit more informed about some of the options that might be presented to you during the process so that yeah. you can sort of have a vague idea of what the pros and cons are yourself. That's right, because when they were coming in, when I say they, like the obstetrician, the midwife, etc., coming and going, oh, we're going to do this now, we're going to do this now, I just I just went with it. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't even think about saying, well, what if I don't want to or what's another option or yeah. can we wait? I, I hadn't, and I was so tired and exhausted and sick yeah. that I just did what they said yeah. because I was just trusting them. So I didn't really, I wasn't really informed in that sense. I was probably okay. a bit naive. Okay. Yeah, so I think just do your research about um, about if you are looking at an induction or if you're looking at a cesarean, just try and understand exactly what happens and what decisions you get to make or what decisions can be made for you. Yeah. Okay, that makes mm. sense. Yeah. All but right. it just feels like a blur now. Like it sounds like it sounds terrible. And every now and then I look at the photos and see me with that, that red eye. <laughs> but the, the pride on my face of holding her. Yeah. Oh, you're getting all teary. I'm going to cry now too. Wow. I didn't expect that. Um, It was a horrible experience, but I was so proud. Yeah. At the end. That's amazing. To have her. And even though, you know, it was shit, it doesn't matter. She's she's safe and I'm safe. And so even though I say do your research, yeah, there's this photo. Like I said, it's not an Instagram photo. None of my photos from Ruby are like Instagram worthy, but... I was just so proud to be her mum. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yes. So. That's so cool. Mm. And it was completely different the second time, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's like I just relived it. <laughs> so sweet though. Thank you so much for sharing that. Like we, we went through pregnancy together two times and we see each other almost every day and I still haven't had that level of detail of your birth story. I think it's something that women don't necessarily talk about to that level of detail. So thank you so much for sharing that. 